must have been a non-issue <laughs> when I knew that, you know, that's, that was, that's the, you know, I've done a lot of wilderness trips in my day and I've never in my life had a button I could push for someone to come save me. So <laughs> I, that wasn't really part of my reality out there. Like I knew that everything I was doing was a calculated risk and that, you know, the chance of rescue was a pretty remote one. So that, that didn't figure into my thinking out there. Wow. Um, that's why you're so, a superhero. Yeah. You're fearless. Um, you're a fearless feminist <laughs> superhero. I'm not fearless, but that those aren't the things that I'm most afraid of, I guess. Well, okay, so let's switch gears. What are the top five most beautiful things you saw up there that you could, there's probably got to be more than five, mm. but that you For hadn't sure. seen in any of your wilderness journeys that you were just so majestic that that they didn't show on the show. I mean, they showed a lot of the Northern Lights, and I kept being like, is that, that's crazy. Those are, wow. Um, they are crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, that area, Yellowknife, um, in the Northwest Territories, is um, a worldwide destination for Northern Lights tourism. I mean, the streets are awash with tourists um, to come there to watch the Northern Lights. So, yeah, all that footage was very real. Uh, so, yeah, the Northern Lights definitely. And I'd seen Northern Lights before. Um, I'd lived in Northern Ontario for a brief time um, and seen some pretty spectacular Northern Lights there. But, yeah, that was, those were really, really amazing. Um, the night that I was out on the ice, the night that they showed the footage of where I was trying to get through the ice and realizing that it, in the course of the couple days that I hadn't been out on the ice because there'd been a really intense storm, a really intense storm that drops the temperature about 20 degrees with just whipping winds. And that storm, the ice went from about four inches thick to about, you know, 18 to 24 inches thick. Um, so I had been able to get through the ice with the same technique I was using before that. And then all of a sudden there was no way, but that ice, that, that, that night, that sunset was the most epically beautiful awe-inspiring evening of my entire life and it was really frustrating to me that what they showed instead was me failing to get through the ice and they inserted bleats I'm fairly certain I wasn't actually cussing um I don't know for sure maybe I was but they, but they made it look like a hardship and it was one of the most amazing nights in my life such that like I just fully surrendered after that and was like if they pick me up tomorrow I don't care because I got to have this night out on the ice. It was this experience where I was out there and the ice was completely scoured clean to just a mirror surface from this really intense storm we had had for days and days with heavy winds and, you know, like scouring the ice with snow. Yeah. Um, and the sun was going down. And because the storm was just clearing, there were a lot of clouds. So the color was really intense. And the sky was just this amazing hot pink orange you know beautiful colors and then I'm standing on this ice that is so smooth that it's reflecting the sunset back at me so it's like I'm standing in the middle of the sunset you know I'm completely surrounded by sunset colors everywhere and then the night was just so gorgeous once I figured out that I couldn't get through that ice I just decided to go further out onto the lake and just revel in it and I got further out into the ice in an area where the the pressure of the ice freezing so fast had cracked the surface of the lake so it's all of these different pieces of ice that had all been kind of pushed up by the pressure of the cracking and so they were all of these little pieces that were all sitting at a different angle to the sky so each one was catching a different color like superman and and reflecting that back at me, it was, yeah, yeah, only sunset. Oh, like, sunset. All of Superman ice cave, sunset time. so epically unbelievable. And then as I'm out there on the ice, the moon is rising, oh. and it's like exactly 
half of a moon and exactly vertical. So that's rising up over the island as this amazing. It was just the most amazing experience of my entire life. And, you know. Why I mean, didn't they show like that? You must. with beauty. Do you get to keep the footage? Well, because they want to show the drama. No, no, you don't get it. You put the footage. Well, honestly, can't... I didn't bring the cameras oh. out there. <gasps> I mean, I did take footage. No, I did take footage of the moon rising, but when I went out to where there was the puzzle pieces, I left the camera set up by that hole, and I just wandered out by myself, which I wasn't really supposed to do. But it was, like, too epic and amazing. Yeah. Um, so... So, yeah, um, you know, they could have showed, there was a lot of footage of it. There just wasn't the footage of the, like, me on the puzzle piece part of the ice. Right. Um, but because that's not, you know, they're trying to build the drama, and this is the last couple of days, and so they're trying to pitch this, like, you know, battle to the end between me and Jordan, and, um, you know, so just the beauty and wonder. Um, most of my most epic moments I took great footage of, but they didn't show. Um, they should give I you that. I also had a, a moment. Yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't do that. Um, it would jeopardize their show. I think is their their perspective on it. So yeah, those were those were. I mean, I could go on. There are a bunch of them, but um. oh, more beautiful moments. No, no, <laughs> please. Mm-hmm. What What are your other epic like things that were? I mean, because that's oh, there are so many. You can yeah, just pick a random one. Um, the, the whole place. Yeah. Okay. So, so one moment that was really, really profound early on. Um, I mean, it, the whole thing was that like early on when we first launched, it was, you know, we had just been having our first intense frost. Um, so everything was changing. The leaves were all changing. So this super, super stark landscape, you know, huge lake that's like a steel gray most of the time and mostly bare rock, you know, this really amazing granite and huge towering cliffs, you know, vertical cliffs. And the whole landscape is so enormous. You can't even begin to wrap your mind around it. So like this super stark landscape with these amazing just flame colors of fall you know and I had this moment after being out there for you know going on a couple weeks and not bringing in any food besides just a couple handfuls of berries and recognizing that rather than feeling weaker and weaker I'm feeling better and better and there was just this moment where I realized that I was shifting on a physiological level to where I was learning to be fed by beauty instead of by food and just that like that all hitting me in one moment, standing on this rocky precipice, looking out over this landscape, looking out over this lake and recognizing that even though I'm starving and I don't know how long I can keep going on starving, like there's no place in the world I would rather be or anything I would rather be doing in that moment. And just that epic beauty being so profound that it just brought tears to my eyes. You know, I just like, there's no way to hold all of the emotion in my body. And it just came through in the form of tears. Um, and recognizing that, like, I could I could live on beauty now, and I could do that for a really long time and had every intention of doing so. So that was a really profound moment. Um, I had a moment where I was at my cabin working on it and heard, and heard a big kerfuffle of birds, you know. Like, I, I was really keyed into birds out there, um, and I knew their patterns, and so I could tell that there was something unusual happening. And... Um, and going out to where I heard this and seeing this kind of a classic bird language moment, which was all of these birds in a shape that we call in bird language a parabola around the top of this tree and looking in the top of that tree and seeing a huge um, 
predatory bird up there, uh, a northern goshawk, I believe it was, which is specifically an avian predator. They're, they take out birds, and so there's something that birds really react to. So having that moment of like being keyed in enough to the landscape to think something's going on, something big is happening, and then going out there and finding the source of it and getting to see this amazing bird that I've never seen before in my life, that was a really profound one. Um, I had a really profound encounter with a fox um, that was really beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, seeing tracks, seeing wolverine tracks. You know, I'd never seen wolverine tracks. Seeing lynx tracks, that was amazing. Wolf tracks, I mean, all of these wildlife encounters that were creatures that I haven't had the opportunity to live in the territory of before. So, and even though the lynx tracks and the wolverine tracks were like dogging my trap line and potentially major competitors for my food, it was still so amazing to see that, that it, it felt worth it. You know? And so you never, um, it sounds like you just didn't feel alone at all. Like you were interacting. How could I? I was surrounded by life. Yeah, that it was. It's like a completely different journey than other people took. Did the camera help you? Apparently, which I didn't realize until watching it. Yeah, I had no idea how different my journey was to other journeys until I was watching the show and thinking, "Oh my God, I had the time of my life, and these people are out here experiencing the exact same conditions in the exact same place." and suffering so hard right that was a really profound realization for me just how I mean I knew what a big difference attitude made and and like we talked about you know like a lot of my preparations were strategizing routines for myself to help me stay in a place of connection and gratitude but it wasn't until watching other journeys you know other folks on my same season that I really got on a deeper level how profound a difference that was it must have, it must have killed you to watch Jordan sit there and complain and be like oh I'm starving with 200 pounds of moose <laughs> look at this I thought that was so funny but it did. I mean my interpretation of it wasn't that he was complaining as much as that the show was choosing to ah. take those moments out of his footage okay to make it seem like he and I were neck and neck right um so you know I have enough experience in knowing how many things I filmed and the things that they chose to show of my things in a way that misrepresented my journey that I believe that that is what they were doing with with him too sure. not misrepresented but just you know picking and choosing to get a certain impression right to um, get the story that I they wanted that Jordan was nowhere near as poorly off yeah exactly yeah because they're I mean they are it is a tv show and they are creating a story did you did the camera become like a friend to you did you when you were to, oh, absolutely so it was like yeah. it's because it it feels like you're talking to me when I'm watching her talking to us Mm -hmm. or, you know, the audience. Yeah, no, I was very aware of that. And, you know, and I don't know how different the sense of isolation would have been if I didn't have that relationship with the camera. I mean, and again, so much of my intention was around showing something beautiful to the world. That was a big part of my mission. And so in that way, I engaged with the audience perhaps more than other folks might have because I wanted to draw you in. I wanted, you know, I know that a lot of these shows, kind of what they do is like, look at this person and all their survivor skills. and They're, they're such a badass, and, you know, and like put you on a pedestal. pedestal. And that, that's not what I wanted. I wanted the viewers to identify with me and see themselves out there yeah. and doing the same thing and give them that experience. And so I engaged with the camera in that way. And, and you know, to me, the camera was an audience that I was talking to. And I think that that did a lot for my, you know, mental health out there because while I knew that obviously you weren't actually there and interacting with me and it wasn't in real time, I also knew that I was going to be sharing this. And so that kept me 
feeling like I was still part of human community as well as the wild community out there, even though yeah. it wasn't actually true at the time. Um, and so, yeah, so you, the camera, you know, it was a mixed blessing. Obviously, it was where a lot of my time and energy went, and a lot of that felt wasted because they showed so little of my footage. But at the same time, the camera absolutely was a companion yeah. and um, kept me aware of the companionship of the whole world of humans that were out there and eventually going to be sharing this with me. And you shared a lot of really personal stuff. I was um, specifically very connected to when you were talking about the money versus not the money and what do you want to do and the self-care on those last days. And you were talking about what you would do with the money and that you've made relationships, you've made choices for your career and for your life that haven't included other things that you would consider like adopting and all of that whole monologue section. I was just like, wow. I felt like, oh, same thing. The sacrificing of femininity to, to try to get ahead in a certain way and then you look back and you're in your 40s and it's like what did I do I don't have a kid anyway I don't know if that's where you're coming but that's what I felt from it like and I felt that for me I was like oh god I'm 45 I'm 45 and look at my choices and I'm not gonna have a kid and wouldn't it be great to adopt but I don't have the money to do that and like how do you share with the world and feel like you have things to share and then there are choices that you made so those aren't the opportunities that you get and Etc. So I felt like really connected to that. And then also when you're talking about your mom and all that stuff and your childhood, and I know they put that into, you know, create a character for you. Um, but do you feel like the character that they put out, does that, do you feel represented? Do you feel like they got you or do you feel like, well, they tried? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the things that you're referring to, yes. And it's interesting because I still was really, so there's a bunch, a bunch to say about that. One is that they really encouraged us to be really vulnerable and talk about, you know, what was true for us emotionally. And part of my choice to do that was, was that. And I think that you often see people, you know, a lot of things up for people and processing a lot of your life choices. And that was true for me too. But also it was particularly specific advice of one friend who is a friend who has done the show before. I actually have a lot of friends who have done this because those are kind of the circles that I, that I move in. And he told me, you know, like this journey is so intense that you, it's really hard to do just for yourself and you want to find something, you know, a goal that's about someone that you love or something that you love or are really attached to, to make the journey bigger than yourself. And and so that's part of what prompted that conversation was my looking to that. And certainly in terms of finances, you know, I'm a person who has chosen to live under the poverty line for most of my life because I've just always prioritized different things. I've prioritized freedom and, you know, being able to have wild adventures over financial security. And that's fine. But one of the goals that would make, you know, pushing it to get a bunch of money worth it would be something like being able to adopt because again you know i wanted a family so bad for so much of my life and have had a lot of angst around that not happening at the same time it feels representative of like my life before alone and not as much now because i had a lot of time to think about and process those choices while i was out there and recognizing that like 
I'm so grateful to have the life that I have and the opportunities that I've had. And had I had a family, I probably wouldn't have gone out on a loan. And <laughs> that was the most amazing experience of my entire life. And I wouldn't trade it for anything yeah. right now. And, you know, so I made those choices from the authentic place that I was in when those choices were up for me. So how would I go back and change that now? So I processed a lot of my regrets while I was out there. And so when I came back out and saw that footage, I was thinking, that doesn't represent me. Mm. But the truth is that it did represent me at one time, just not as much anymore because things have shifted. And I would also say that I'm, I'm someone who has dealt with a lot of sorrow and angst around not having had a family, but I don't think that I am a person who really, like I'm a person with a very positive forward-thinking attitude and not someone who tends to go into like woe is me places. Right. And so I feel like focusing on that maybe painted me a little bit more in that light. Um, but it definitely, I mean, anyone who knows me know that, knows that it's true that like not having had a family has been one of my major sorrows in life. So that's accurate. The part that really bothered me that feels less accurate is when they talked about um, they, they did some, uh, some careful editing mm. to create some sentences that I didn't actually speak. Wow. And that was really frustrating. And that is really disappointing that, you know, to hear. Never... Because you filmed yeah. so much and the, stuff. The one place that that was true, yeah. They, they had me say at one point towards the very end, I've never had enough money to eat well, and that's why I'm here. And that is, like, nauseating to Ooh. me to hear because that's not true. And I felt like it painted a very different picture of who I am and, um, and it basically made me say that I was there for the money because I was desperate for money because I don't have enough money to eat otherwise, which is absurd. Um, and it is definitely true that I have lived on a lot less money than, you know, like well under the poverty line and that that has affected some of my food choices in terms of like being able to buy all of the healthiest organic food and whatever I want all the time. And yet the way they made it say that is like that I've been so poor that I'm starving and that that was my motivation for being on the show. And that was like a complete 180 and the furthest thing from the truth. So in that way, I felt very misrepresented. And, um, you know, I've had people write me saying like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I hope you can afford to eat now. And oh, I'm just like, oh God. my God, <laughs> that's awful. And, you know, I think that overall, you know, that one part, so they, they do interviews with you before you go, when you come back and when they come and do medical checks. And sometimes they use that, those audio clips and overlay it onto your time out as if it's what you're saying in the moment. Sure. And that's what happened with that clip. And it wasn't, that was, that was a moment when I like went out to the lake to sing this beautiful song of hope and joy. And instead they did this overlay of audio saying, I'm so poor me. I'm so poor. I can't afford to eat. And I'm just here so that I can afford to get a decent meal for once. And oh. um, <laughs> I think that most people, most everyone I feel like who has written me, which is like hundreds, thousands of people, um, that part of the message is not what they can like. I think it's clear of like my energy and most of the things that like my joy and my positivity were what came through more. And the contrast of that one sentence was, um, you know, was big enough that they don't even see that as part of my journey. It seems like most people who write, and I hope that that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that's a sore spot for me. That's the one major sore spot for me. And, um, and with the whole fair enough. Um, I, yeah. Kat Plank is a person. She wanted to ask a question. Um, 
your master's degree is in what? And uh, she says... Environmental science. Environmental oh, science. Sorry, I'll let you finish. Oh, no, so she said mm-hmm. she's personally curious about your background, so environmental science, and it's obvious that you have mad skills that are extremely niche, um, but how did you decide to learn those kinds of skills? And so I guess it would be when you were, when you were 19, or was it when you were younger even, that you, you already said at the beginning you went into a, a, a skills program a wilderness program when you were 19, was that when you started this journey into ancestral skills or was it before that, that you had a great interest, even like as a young child? Yeah, that's a great question. Definitely as a young child, um, I was always super fascinated, like all of my favorite books, you know, like I had a book about Ishii when I was a kid and all of the little house books and Laura Ingalls um, Wilder's story and Island of the Blue Dolphins, like those were the books that I loved and, you know, Hatchet and that kind of thing. So I was obsessed with these things as a kid and like all of my childhood games were me as Karana on the land. Like I would pick red clover blossoms and, you know, put them in a hole in the ground because I was saving up food for the winter. You know, that was that was what I was obsessed with. But I didn't think that those things were, you know, I thought that that was from the past and not something that was available to me. So, um, so I, you know, I always did a lot of things with my hands. I was into sewing and knitting and crocheting and that kind of thing. And like the handcrafts that were available to me, but I didn't really have other avenues. Um, you know, like I grew up in a rural place, but, you know, we weren't, we weren't, we grew strawberries and we grew a small garden, but you know, we weren't like harvesting wild food or anything. This wasn't in my, wasn't in my background and how I was raised up. Um, but I was always looking for that stuff. And when I was, um, I think a freshman or a sophomore, I think a sophomore in college, and I went to school for biology and environmental studies. So like a deep connection to the natural world was always a part of me. And my parents were both outdoor people. My dad was a, an endurance runner doing 100-mile trail runs, cool. and my mom was a backpacker and in the Sierra Club. So I spent a lot of time hiking and, you know, out in wild places as a kid. Um, but it was when I was a sophomore in college that a friend of mine gave me a book, um, The Tracker by Tom Brown Jr., um, where he kind of talks about using these skills in his childhood um, coming into relationship with the land. And that was really inspiring to me. And so when I wanted to do a field course one summer, I specifically looked for one um, that might have some, some of those skills and found, um, found one that had instructors who had taught some ancestral skills. And so I chose the course based on that. And that's not what the focus of the course was, but it was a big focus for me because that was where my interest laid. Um, and then they told me about a skills gathering that they had been to that was all focused on ancestral skills. And so I went to that and that was um, when I was 19. And so that was what really showed me that in fact, this was something that was still available that people were still doing. And then from that point on, I just threw myself into it wholeheartedly and definitely kind of had like fantasies about running off naked into the wilderness, you know, with just my knife and living there forevermore. And um, my first gathering was when I was introduced to buckskin clothing and that completely changed my life and became my biggest goal was to, you know, learn to tan hides and make clothing for myself. And um, so, yeah, from that point on, anytime I wasn't in school, I was, I was out in the woods by myself doing skill stuff um, or going to gatherings whenever I could and spending summers on some land in Idaho with a bunch of folks who were teaching and practicing skills and, you know, organizing Stone Age trips and harvesting wild food and just, you know, learning as much as I could in every possible way. Um, 
and you know then i had then i had a period in my early 20s where i kind of where i was in if i was in a relationship and with my first husband and um that wasn't really the life that he wanted to live and i felt like i ended up compromising a lot on how how i was living for for love you know for that relationship and um that was how i ended up in grad school actually was kind of trying like not not being happy in the normal working world. And I was working, you know, interesting jobs. I was doing environmental ed and working as a naturalist in a state park and doing cool stuff, but it just wasn't me. It wasn't the life that I wanted. I wanted something so much more wild and rugged and um, really had this period of feeling like I compromised so much of myself and lost myself and became really deeply depressed and, um, even suicidal. We have like the um, same story. It's dripping me out, but keep going. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a common one. Um, so yeah, so I spent a lot of my twenties compromising on what I wanted to do. And then eventually, um, I was in grad school when I kind of, I don't know, like came to a place where I realized that like my soul was dying and I couldn't, I couldn't do what I was doing anymore and ended up, you know, leaving my husband quitting grad school. I, I had enough credits to get my degree, but I quit my thesis. So I ended up graduating with a non-thesis science degree, which means you can't really work in academia. You can do a lot of other things, but you're not going to ever go on to be a professor or anything um, or a researcher. But um, but I, it was pretty clear that I didn't want to anyway at that point. So yeah, so I ended up, you know, quitting grad school, leaving my husband and moving away from my like, you know, easy house outside of town and running off to Northern Ontario um, with someone that I met at a friend's wedding who was about to go out on this crazy journey and um, living up there for a while until the Canadian government kicked us out. (laughs) And from that moment on, just really absolutely devoted to living my life and not compromising on that again and living a much wilder, less conventional life. Um, But yeah, I came to that through compromising and trying to, you know, quote, be normal and live a normal life for a while and just being absolutely miserable and feeling trapped and, um, yeah. And you, you gave know, up learned, the safety. Learned the hard way. You gave up the safety for your gave truth. Gave up the safety for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I did yeah. the same thing. I was married for a long time and, and I left him and all. It's very, very similar story. Very depressed, trying to blah, blah, blah. And now I do what I want. Yay! So I'm glad that you, yeah. I have and like. I think it's, it's been gratifying because. Yeah. Oh, I just have a, I have a couple more questions for you because we've been going for an hour and I don't want to take up too much of your time because you're so awesome. But I mean, I, I want <laughs> to take up all of your time, but I don't, I also don't want to, you know, so finish your thing. And then I have like two more questions. Oh, I was just going to say that at the time, I think it was hard, you know, it was like quite devastating for my husband. We're still very good friends. He's a wonderful man. But, you know, I think at the time he never really believed me mm-hmm. about why I was dissatisfied and how I said I wanted to live. Um, and you know, because I was not doing those things. I had been compromising. So it's like, yeah, you say that. But but I think now, and especially after alone, now he's like, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. I get that what you were saying all along of what you actually needed and wanted. Yeah, it makes more sense now. <laughs> 73 so it's gratifying days. in that way. But like, yeah. Uh, so have you ever thought of going back to your Arctic Peninsula? Like during the summer? I would love to. Yeah, yeah, no, I love to. I mean, once once I have a little bit more space in my life, that is definitely um, a very much a goal. I intend I intend to do so. I also intend to spend some time on that lake, places where one can actually catch fish and just gorge on trout. <laughs> yeah, I saw those beautiful fish. 
Um, okay, so yeah. my last question, it might be totally inappropriate, but, and I can cut it out <laughs> of the interview if you want. Okay, the way I came to the show, because I, I'm a stand-up comedian, I watched the show <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't watch porn. It's not my thing. It's not, I'm not into it. But <laughs> I was watching alone because it hits all of my triggers. Like, it's like emotional lumberjacks crying. It's like survival starving. <laughs> it's like all the Laura Ingalls Wilder stuff I love. So I made this like big long joke that I've done on stage about how it's my porn and I, I masturbate to it when I'm alone, <laughs> quote unquote, right? So my question is, That's great. when you're out there and we're at the base of humanity, was there any like sexy time? Feel- Did it not even enter your head at all? Or was there any like, I mean, were you so, I'm just, because I'm, I'm thinking about ancestral skills and I'm thinking about people used to live out there and babies were made yeah. and this is a part of being human. <laughs> right. I mean, I was isolated the whole time. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't, I, I think probably differently than you experience it. Cause to me, it's my norm. You know, I think that often things that people eroticize are things that are like outside of their norm and therefore exciting. And so in that way, that, that experience wasn't, but there is definitely something about that, like that primal energy of being out on, you know, in a wild place and um, experience things in this way. It's very, you know, it's very physical. It's very rooted in the body and it's, you know, the like life and death and like getting down to the nitty gritty of life. And sure, there's, there's a sexual energy in there. And, uh, and yeah, no, that like towards the end where I had been starving. And just so you know, like I tend to be kind of a no hold barred kind of person. I'm, I'm pretty, um, <laughs> I'm a pretty open book, so it doesn't feel inappropriate, but, um, you can edit it out if you think. That's no, no, I, I'm fine with it. But I yeah, watched no. the whole poop. I watched the whole poop video and I was like, it's scintillated. <laughs> like I watched right. the whole 22 yeah, minute poop yeah. video. I was like, all right. Yeah, no, I tend to just talk about the stuff that needs talking about, so whatever. But yeah, no, I mean, I would say that, like, that uh, there wasn't, like, more sexual energy for me out there than there would be otherwise, but it wasn't absent um, until towards the end when I had been really starving for a long freaking time. Because, you know, like, starting to digest your own muscles kind of takes it out of you. Right, right. <laughs> There's actually a moment where when they were out for a medical check and... uh I, I somehow like this happens to me where I will say something and not realize the connotation of it afterwards. But there was something where I like invited one of the people to spend the night in my cabin with me, when, which like obviously it was not going to happen. But like, and, and the, the film people were kind of like, "Ooh, should we like be present for this conversation?" And then I was like, "Oh, that did sound like that, didn't it?" But uh, <laughs> you want to spend the night but, um, in my yeah, that, wilderness that cabin. Funny. <laughs> I think it was like just after I had made the bed or something. They're like, "Oh yeah, that looks pretty cozy." And I'm like, "Heck yeah, it is. You know, try it out." Um, <laughs> something like that. But I always, I always laugh that everybody was like, everybody turned a little bit red after that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. Well, I. This has been amazing. Can you like plug Buckskin Revolution? Give us your website, your YouTube, what you you know, how people can. Like, do you have a book? Can have you read? Have you written a book yet? When's your book coming out? Like, 
Um, I have I have several book projects in the works right now. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that I can say about all of that. So my business is Buckskin Revolution, and um, you know the mission of my business is to empower people with the skills to you know, tend to their needs with their own two hands and from the landscape around them. And so it's about, it's about ancestral skills. And it's also about applying those skills, like having those skills, even if we don't use them, but knowing that we have them changes how we are in our daily life and comes, has us coming from a place that is uh, feeling empowered rather than feeling trapped in the system and feeling like a whole person who is actually using the the physiology that we evolved to have um and also you know just recognizing ourselves as wild creatures and with a profound relationship to the wild so having things in our daily lives whatever they might be that remind us of our connection to landscapes outside you know you might not need to go out and forage your own food every day but could you have a little you know a buckskin bag hanging on your wall where you know that it came from a wild creature and therefore it's kind of an anchor for the wild in your life even if you're living in an apartment building in the Bronx you know wherever you find yourself can you can you integrate a little bit of the wild into your life um, so, you know, connection to the landscape around us, connection to who we are on a deeper level, connection to our human community, connection to our ancestors, um, and skills for actually land-based living, you know, um, growing, storing, um, food, medicines, all of those things. So, um, and part of my mission really is to spread those as far and wide as I can. And that's why I've been focusing more on, um, you know, videos and online courses and writing recently. And I, you know, have traveled around the country teaching this stuff for the past several decades. Um, that's been a huge part of my life. And that's really rewarding to me. And I intend to keep doing it. But these days, since the bigger platform um, and the publicity of alone, a lot more people are interested in what I'm doing. So I'm trying to, um, to branch into the video stuff to make it more accessible to people who couldn't come and do a class in person. So there's a lot of ways to be involved in what I'm doing. Um, I have an online skills gathering happening right now. Last week is going to be the last week to register for that. But that's an entire you know, week's worth of classes spread out over 10 weeks of all of the skills like we're talking about, all of the background that, um, that you know, prepares you for more time in the wild and more land-based living. Um, also, I have a Patreon membership, which is a, a crowdfunding platform, but it's a membership-based, so you're, you know, um, you're part of a team, basically the Buckskin Revolution Patreon team. So that is a huge part of allowing me to do a lot of the videos and writing, and eventually I'm hoping to be able to hire people to help me with my video editing because I can only – I'm doing everything myself right oh, now, and there's yeah. only so much I can produce, so I could get a lot more out there if I had more support um, and able to, to hire folks to support me in that. So check me out on Patreon. That is www.patreon.com backslash Wonia Buckskin Revolution. And you get all kinds of benefits for that. And it's a lot more interactive and reciprocal and, you know, exclusive content and, you know, merchandise for certain things, your name in my books and getting to ask questions and a lot more, a lot more interaction. Um, so I really encourage people to do that. That's a huge part of what supports me right now in being able to do this stuff. Um, the mailing list on my website will get you um, in my system so that you get my newsletters, which has my teaching schedule. Um, obviously, most of my in-person teaching has been canceled um, due to COVID, but I will be getting back to that. And I also do mentoring through um, Sage FM, which is a which is a mentoring platform where folks can call in and do um, live video and phone consultations. And so that's a way to you know get one-on-one -on -one help 
with your skills um, and, you know, like I can walk you through brain tanning. You can ask questions about a loan. You can ask questions about, I just had a great conversation last week about how to keep a positive attitude in the face of challenges and adversity. Um, so, yeah, I'm really trying to do what I can to make a positive impact on the world. And um, also, you know, social justice is a part of, of Buckskin Revolution and a part of the revolution. And so trying to make these skills more accessible to more people because I feel like, you know, there are a lot of people who are disenfranchised and yeah. don't have access to even just getting out into the woods and nature. So trying to do what I can to spread access in more ways so that more people you know, feel empowered and feel like they have some control over their, their lives and their choices and they're not just pawns in a system that they don't understand um, and, you know, can't control, which, like, I get because that's how I felt in my 20s when I was trying to plug into the system and it wasn't working for me. Um, yeah. You're else, amazing! I'm on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, there are so many ways to be involved in what I'm doing. And, yes, I do have a couple books. My Patreon members have access to my writing before it's published. For many years, I was selling the rough draft of my book about buckskin clothing. Right now, the only way that you can get that is if you're a Patreon member, at certain levels, you get that rough draft copy of my book that's close to published but not there yet. Um, You get that for free at certain levels, or you get to buy it for a discounted rate at other levels. So, um, yeah, working hard to pump a lot of good resources out there into the world so we have a society of happier, healthier, more whole, more empowered, more inspired, and inspiring people. Yay! This has been, like, <laughs> the highlight of my whole, like, I can't even tell you, this is a dream come to fruition. I never thought, you're a real person, doing real things. <laughs> Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. There are all, the other things we need to get into are like your philosophies on entitlement and like feminism and stuff. But maybe another time. This has been incredible, and I thank you so much for your time. And I, and I can't wait to see what happens next um, with you and Buckskin Revolution and everything else online. And everybody join the Patreon. And thank, thank you so much for talking to me on Mutiny Radio. Uh, and I I'm hope so that glad can, to. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, I hope we can promote anything that you're doing in the future. Again, this has been like, thank you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Enjoy <laughs> the sunshine. Thank you. And I thought the cat was alive. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. Yeah, no problem. Right. Well, yeah. thanks so much for your time. And I hope to talk to you again someday thanks, soon. Sam. Have a great day. Bye. Sam's great. Yep, we'll be in touch. Yep, all right. Bye. <laughs> That that was Ronia Do- Ronia Thabeau, everyone. You can see her online on uh, on Facebook. Her fan page is uh, Ronia Dawn, and that has been an awesome interview. And I'm so proud of myself because I didn't cry. I didn't cry. All right. So call me Tim, everyone. I've been Pam Benjamin. That was Ronia Dawn. This is MutinyRadio.fm. Hey, hit up our uh, Venmo. Mutiny Radio, all one word. Like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond then take a chance on the Chancellor.
were worried that it was eight o'clock and you weren't gonna get comedy, uh, don't worry anymore because Hunter Uniac's in the house. Yeah, no, you're not. I mean, whatever. I don't know what's happening. It's eight o'clock and it's Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse and it can be anything. Like fucking the last show was just me playing music. Uh, so we've got Ernest Evangelista in the house. We have Hunter Uniac. Who's here? Uh, I'm gonna play some music. Maybe something will happen, we don't know.
of jazz happening right now, and that's not appropriate. Uh, hi, it's uh, Pantas's Comedy Clubhouse. You're listening, if you are, or maybe you're downloading it, because we keep getting lots of downloads, and I'm like, why are you listening to this? Okay, that's fine. Uh, we've got... There he is. Hey! Hi there, Pam. Hey! Ernest Evangelista, what the fuck? Thanks for having nice me. Nice to meet ya, Ernest Evangelista. Uh, nice to meet the listening audience. How, you okay? Yeah, I could smell the Vaseline um, that the listening audience, they're probably uh, watching porn while, while they're listening to us. Vaseline is like the worst thing you can use. Really? Because it eats up condoms. Because it's made of... Um, Patrol, yeah, dead, basically uh, dead, dead dinosaurs. <laughs> dead dinosaurs make your dick wet, but not really. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, they're not. Well, who said anything enough. about condoms? Cute. So you're all about, so you're all about the IUD, huh? Mm, or of uh, the pull-out method. Do you want to, you can get a mic too. You can jump in there. Uh, whatever you want. Ah! You can take me on, dude. We have plenty of microphones, and we are all socially distanced, and I covered them all up with thingies so that everybody can be okay. Mike condoms. Mike condoms, yeah. It's just it's, it's just a piece of, um, I paid for um, paper towels, and uh, the rubber bands come to me for free from the post office. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the post, post office. office. Yeah, all of the free mm. rubber bands. America's I'm not buying rubber bands. America's drug dealer since 1984. Well, I've always been a big fan of the UPS. Mm. Uh, and when I sent drugs to Utah, uh-huh. I to the Mormons. To the Mormons, I didn't do it in the mail. I did it in my car. Oh. <laughs> I just drove there. Yeah. Because wine was illegal there too, so I used to drive with like three or four cases of wine to mm-hmm. my buddy's house in Utah, and that was fun. It's was like good. it's like your old school bootlegger. I was. We're living. Which one is that? Did you just you just pulled one out? <sighs> Isn't this nice, Pam? We're living in the. Quasi. Well, no, no, you can talk into it. Just tell me which microphone it is. No, but you, there's microphones in here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Isn't this nice? We're living in a quasi uh, roaring twenties again. Yeah. Everyone's Bars drinking. Everyone's drinking um, whiskey out of teacups. Mm-hmm. That's what they used to do. They used to go into a place and be like, oh, we're just drinking tea. And they'd have lovely, lovely little... Um, Parties? Yeah, with mm-hmm. teacups. I have a lot of teacups at my house. I have more than the average bear. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I if we're going like to do teacups. That was the beginning of, like, uh, uh, like underground, like... Uh, what do you know? Come parties. on, say what you know, Ernest. It, it's the do beginning. You know anything? When white people and black people used to mingle because they wanted to get drunk legally. Those were the days. I believe that you're live now. What was the law previously that you couldn't drink unless whites and blacks were together? Well, it probably yeah. It was probably uh, you had to drink at a well. 
back in the back in like the what was it before uh, prohibition, like the 1900s, but it was probably like really segregated. What was before prohibition? Uh, World War One. Uh, prohibition ended in 1930. 30 something, yeah, like like after the Great Depression. It was kind of like a little like no, no, it celebration was for Great the Depression, depression over. and then. Wait, was the 1930s the Great Depression? Yeah, it was Prohibition, then gr- then Great Depression, uh-huh. then uh, post kinda post kinda post. Uh, what's it called when you're depressed after you have a baby? Uh, postmortem. Post postpartum, post postpartum depression was after depression. Uh, postmortem uh, is what happened to people who would uh, give birth and they would die in childbirth. No, post uh, oh postmortem. Uh, they would die. Postpartum mortem. Yeah. Postpartum mortem. <laughs> That's the death in childbirth. Yeah. That was a good way to die back then. It's so Not fun. a bad way. It's so mm-hmm. fun when boys talk about things they have no idea. No idea. Exactly. It's possible. But we have the confidence. Right. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Because have a yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. I've never had a baby. Fuck having babies. That's dumb. Yeah. I mean, they might kill you eventually. They will. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in childbirth. Sk- or school shooters. There like, you go. I'm sure that if I had a child, my child would have killed me. Mm. Absolutely. You're or sure of that? Did it? Was it prophesized by the oracle at Delphi? Yeah, I always wondered, like, uh, it was like those, they would have kings and stuff, and then they would have a baby, and then the son ends up killing the king or the queen. Like, uh, that's how you moved up in, like, uh, like yeah, uh, Odysseus. Mm-hmm. That's how you moved up. If it was the, uh, today's equivalent in like a uh, business, uh, like well, uh, well you're. Well, I think what you might be talking about is the ed- edible Oedipus ed- 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 Oedipal complex. Mm-hmm. Oedipal, co- yeah. You want to fuck your mom? Oedipus. I call it Oedipus yeah. complex. But I, I, I'm looking for dudes with an edible complex because mm-hmm. I make really good pop food. Mm-hmm. So you're the pop mama. I'm Wait, I don't get it. I don't get it. Edible com, because mm. you make good pot food. Also, it might be a fetish of where uh, the guy wants to eat you, like a cannibal. I'm not into that. Because you I look very shower. edible. Oh, thanks, thanks, mm. thanks, Ernest. You look like a snack. Ernest oh, is detoxing Ernest from cannibalism snack. right now. With with human ash juice mm-hmm. smoothies. See if you're gonna do your material, Pam. I will too. You're gonna do material. Oh, are you gonna do material? Do you, you have ju- material? Sam? I was my material. Do you have mm-hmm. material? Right. <gasps> no way. Mm-hmm. I was. That was just a joke. That that. I wish you I had material. Your edible. You have complex. lots of material. Mm-hmm. I I I can do a whole earnest set. I can it. do. I can't wait for um. I mean, every year at Christmas time, we should do a white elephant joke exchange oh. with people's things, and then because I I can do, if you gave me anybody's jokes with like mm. just their taglines just written, I could do anybody's set. Where is Hunter Uniac? I can do all his jokes about I his dad and the uh, about the uh, the toilet in his backyard and his dad being a meth addict and. Mm-hmm. I, I can do all of his jokes. I can do all. I can do. I can do five minutes of Ernest jokes. But can you do five minutes of who's a really bad comic nowadays? Uh, Brendan Schaub's material. I don't know who that person is. There you go. See. No, nope. don't know it. Don't know it. Can't do it. 
He's uh, I can I. Hey, he's there trying. He is Hunter Uniac. Try harder with the CTE. Yeah, I mean. Hunter, you can get in here on mic it's, too it's if you uh, like. He's it's a heartwarming pee. tale. Uh, comedy, trauma. Uh. You have comedy trauma? No, no. Stop uh, it. Uh, Chubb, he was a he was an MMA fighter. Then he was friends with Joe Rogan, and that's how he got big. Like he just ended up being a stand up. And Crystal Ian, Brian Callen. Crystal Leah, ooh, you just dropped the name. Dog. friends with Joe Rogan. That's mm-hmm. he says things that everybody's thinking. Blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure he cut a deal with someone. What, what do you got? What do you got against Joe Rogan? I hate Joe Rogan because <laughs> he's you were like, on podcasting. Well, no, because he's a big podcaster, but he hasn't studied all the things for realsies. He definitely has it. Mm. But he, everybody believes him, and that's crazy to me. They're like, oh, this is the guy that everybody listens. Oh, he's so, oh, talks about MDMA, blah, 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 he talks about. Mm. I think he's just very skilled in conversation. Like, that's why he's a really, he, the way he made most of his money was being a host for, like, Fear Factor and, like, MMA. Like, it took a while for comics to realize, like, like, as a comic, he's not that good of a comic, you know? But, like. Does uh, he have any jokes? Uh, he has he's a, just he has a personality. A Isn't yeah. that nice? Any of us could be a personality. Yay! My favorite joke of his is... Uh, is it Caitlyn Jenner one? That's a good one. But the the one where he says, uh, men are willing to die for pussy in another dimension as it relates to suicide bombing and getting 72 virgins in heaven. Wow, that was probably on Shiny Happy Jihad. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Second go. day of Hanukkah. Second day of Hanukkah. Yeah. I, I learned all my Hanukkah history from the Rugrats a Hanukkah special. Nice. Mm-hmm. Because Tommy was a Hebrew. Tommy was a Hebrew? Yeah, you would think it was Chucky, right? Hebrew. <laughs> where's the Shebrew? Yeah. Where, where's the Shebrew? Because all the Shebrews are the ones making the challah bread. There ain't no mm. Hebrews making challah bread, bitch. Mm-hmm. I, I studied it this week. I read 24 recipes, and Ooh. then I made one of the recipes. <laughs> Did you figure out how to make water. manna bread? Well, you manna is from God, and uh-huh. it has no leavening, cause it, and, and it dies after a day. That's, Sounds like on. God. <laughs> what I'm saying is that this week I've been studying challah bread, and it's very interesting because it's a brioche that's made by the Jews. So mm-hmm. there's no butter in it. It's just an brioche. Egg. It's an oil-based brioche. It's and it's it's I I made I made like my seventh loaf <laughs> this mm-hmm. week today. So I got it on lockdown. But they couldn't do that under lockdown with the Egyptians because they weren't allowed to have the yeast mm-hmm. and and it's so silly because all the women had all the yeast in their vag. That's and they could have done it. They could have done it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till Martha Stewart makes a bread yeast out of her own twat. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna buy that shit all day. I'm gonna sell it. I'll be, I'm on board. Top three um, home cooking network cooks: uh, Martha Stewart, Rachel Ray. Fuck who Rachel are, Ray. Are, Fuck Rachel here? Ray in mm-hmm. the asshole. She has no knife skills and she is a <laughs> dumb <laughs> fucking bitch. Skills. She's gonna cut off her fingers every time you, you know, watch her you know, on film. You know what was really uh, Ooh, funny? She's so personable. You know, you know what was really funny? I watched with Rachel Ray. Her house burned down recently. Good. <laughs> like, 
It was like I I was laughing, but like uh, it was a very sad thing. It was a million dollar freaking house, but her house like Lou and they had like this freaking special where she like inside her edition came in and then she was like trying to explain like, oh we just came home and like my million dollar I've been living here twelve years house like. My anger for up. Rachel Ray is so crazy. Is it? Is it because she's? You think she's fake? God, where no, do you it's put because all that? it's because why am I not Rachel Ray? I, I why are you not Rachel Ray? Because my ex husband's last name was Ray. I could have been Pam Ray, but uh, I wasn't. And why is she famous? She has no skills. That mm. fucking cunt. She's got. You know, here's the thing. She had. She came out with a cat food, and my cats don't even like it. I bought it at yeah. Gross Out for super cheap because nobody wanted her fucking delish I fucking lo- I bullshit. I lost uh, a lot of respect for her because she was on Hot Ones, and you know how she did Hot Ones? She only tasted the sauce. You know how she my cats wings. won't eat her fucking cat food? Because she's a fucking fake. Uh. Because she doesn't know what she's doing. So you do think she's fake? She's super fake. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, she's not even that pretty. When she was trying to explain her house burning up, she was still in her mode of like this, like personality on TV, like trying to explain this, oh, like, like even if it was like really tragic and her house dying, she like was still in like uh, TV host mode of like this is where like it, she it was... couldn't make her own pasta if you put her in her room and you were like you're gonna die if you can't make your own pasta, and she mm-hmm. couldn't do it. She has no idea. She's like. Ah! hate that bitch i'm so jealous of her because she became famous and she wasn't talented enough to do it mm-hmm. and her talent doesn't write checks and that her ass but, can't catch. but she cashed them all but that's the thing that's why all of her cat food is on sale at gross out because even the cats won't eat it my mm-hmm. cats won't eat her food i've had to throw a bunch of it away oh. hunter weigh in on this or say what he's, a, you he's probably a big fan of rachel ray i ate at a restaurant once Get a get a chair, baby. Who the fuck is Rachel Ray? Oh, good. Oh, there you I'm go. so glad you said there that. There you go. Well, I know you. who she is, but like, I don't know why she's famous at all. Exactly. The only Food Network show I've seen her on is Worst Chefs in America, and that's indicative yeah. of her talent <laughs> as a chef. Thank you. Let me get a chair. She's going to uh-huh. chop her own fingers off. There's she just, has no idea what she's doing. Her knife skills are for shit. Let's talk bad about uh, chefs, um, TV show chefs. Who's, who's your most You know favorite? who I love? I love fucking Mario Batali. I've mm. met him. He kissed me twice uh-huh. and hugged me close, and I wish he would have touched my boob. Not oh, oh, was, did Mario uh-huh. Batali touch your boob? I wish he would have touched my boob. Not to speak bad of the dead, but fuck Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I, said I it. love Anthony I Bourdain. Said it. Anthony Bourdain talked into it. that microphone. Well, not into that's that microphone. That's why. Fuck you, ghost of Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain was here, and that's uh-huh. why we got in trouble, because of the making people laugh. Exactly. Like, Snitch yeah! ass. Anthony Bourdain. get stitches, and he <laughs> fucking snitched on us. And that's why we changed the name from Pirate Cat to fucking yeah. Mutiny. Because of, of fucking snake-ass Anthony Bourdain. I, I really shouldn't be talking about it. What happened to Anthony Bourdain? Like, you got some of the story. So Anthony Bourdain came here. Mm-hmm. And uh, a Mutiny. What chair was he sitting on, and can I lick it? It was over yeah. there. And yeah, it's this chair. The chairs are gone. We've thrown away those chairs. Uh-huh. But um, so back in the day when this was called Pirate Cat, Anthony Bourdain was interviewed here, and it's when we used to have a. It was like thing. a cafe, right? 
there used to be a cafe, and we used mm-hmm. to make a thing called a bacon maple latte, and it was disgusting unless it you put whiskey. It sounds disgusting. If you didn't put whiskey in that bacon maple latte, it was for shit. And everybody come in, I'm going to make you maple latte. And I'd be like, it's gross unless you go up to the corner store and you get a little thing mm. and you put the whiskey in it. Then or it's palatable. Don't the, fuck around, buddies. Put the bacon and whiskey. It was so gross. We took the bacon fat and we like, and some people didn't even do it right. So you had to take the bacon fat and you had mm. to heat it up with the, with the stuff. And then you added the cream. And then you made mm. the coffee. I like the sounds you're making. And then mm. you put them together. And it was a bacon maple latte, but it was only good if you put the whiskey in it. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so and you couldn't serve alcohol. No, we couldn't. But we told people go up to the corner, get mm-hmm. the alcohol, put it mm-hmm. in the fucking. So Anthony Bourdain came here, and blah blah blah. We were on the first seat in San Francisco's first no reservations. No reservations in San Francisco. They're here. They're here. They were here. Oh my god, I gotta watch here. that. So. That's why we got fined by the FCC because they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, what, 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 what? So that's why we changed the name from Pirate Cat to Mutiny because they tried to fine Pirate Cat $10,000. And I was like, well, we're not Pirate Cat anymore. Now we're Mutiny mm-hmm. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, that's what we did. And then um, people keep coming fuck here and asking for San Francisco. M- making Babel lattes. And I'm like, nay, you can come in and talk making here. Making Naked vapor lattes. <laughs> uh, that was <laughs> so back I said in the days. Wrong. Yeah, and well, and now we're just mutiny radio. So now we're just yeah. mutiny radio. Uh, I want it like we're you talking. You were talking shit about celebrity chefs. You yeah. made a bacon dish that tasted bad, Pam. We should be talking about your what, skills what as a chef. Bacon? When did you Ooh, eat something of mine that tasted out. bad? Call no, it excuse out. me. Call no, I want to hear about that. <laughs> call I made out. something that didn't taste good. No, no, that's no, no, no you're talking about the bacon vapor latte. Oh. It's no, well, uh, did you work here? I at, did. At I've been here. <laughs> I've been here you, you in were this like building. Waitresses, waitresses, uh, My bad. I was. I didn't want to no, it's fine. I was a barista here. Mm-hmm. I've I've been in this building since two thousand eight. Ooh. So I was before here. Obama. Yes. Mm-hmm. Before some people were born. Mm-hmm. But no, I was here, and I had to work behind the counter when before it was a thing. Eight year olds. And I used to have a show called. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Ursa said, but you said before people were born, Ursa said eight year olds. Do you know how to do math? Yeah, it's 12. I think I did we're 12, 12 year olds. now. My bad. I, I forget what year we are. And I'm still thinking. Uh, we're did you say eight year olds because it, she said 2008? Yes. Your exactly brain what went yeah. yes. eight. And then you said 2008? I was hoping we're in 2018. So how old is the 2020? That's 10 year olds. Is it 10? Goddamn. Dude. <laughs> Why does it get, like, nobody can do math anymore? We can't. It really isn't. I'm yeah. gonna lose Get so much phone. money at my job. Yeah, like one, once the calculator has gone to our phones, um, just everybody stopped doing. Do you that. even use your calculator anymore? Uh, I don't even use I my do. calculator. I do. Oh, use your calculator. Use yeah. your calculator then. Wow. Find me the square root of this building. Oh, I can't use it for that. Square I forgot root how to find what? The square root. This building. Well, this building. Well. The square root of this building. Well, mm-hmm. we, th- that, but that, that, that it's doesn't. It's concrete. Make s- it's that doesn't it's make the foundation. sense. You didn't give us. You didn't give us the, the algebra equation to help us figure out what exactly what the x was. The x would be. Um, I I think this building is twenty by forty. Oh. I think. So twenty by forty is really? is 
Eight. This see now we're using our calculators on our phone. I know what there it is. It's eight thousand. But this is not eight thousand square feet. Twenty by forty. I mean eight hundred. Eight hundred. Eight hundred. Eight hundred yeah. square feet. That's yeah, what. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's easy math ass math yeah. though. Yeah. All you no. do is the two and the four and then add the zeros. Yeah, Congrats. but you still couldn't do it. Yeah. I'm so Maybe mean. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I'm I don't care. You can be mean to me, Hunter. at school. I was the asshole at school. Do you want? Okay. Did you ever? Have you ever shut up? Actually, this is actually. Yeah, I ever shut up or uh, shut that's up? A ridiculous, ever, that's a ridiculous segue. No, it's a good question. Have you ever shot drugs into your vein? No. Yeah. Oh, good. Good for no. you. Mm. No, he meant shoot Hunter? up a school. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No. yeah. He I'm got not away a crazy with it. Person. So <laughs> I'm not. I'm a. He's here now, free. You know? yeah. He got away with it. <laughs> it was a warning. Let's you calm know, first down time, a you're okay. Let's not talk crazy stuff. I was talking about shooting up a school. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Well, <laughs> I've never shot up myself, but I have been in the hospital when mm-hmm. they've given me opiates that were good enough that it was like Morphine. I was shooting up myself. Morphine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would love for a heroin addict to be in the hospital and be like, no, wait, I got this while they're giving a morphine, you know? Yeah. But you get no, to take yeah. the button yeah. as much as you want, and if you click the button too many times, beep, beep, they go, nope, beep, you're beep, not allowed to, you're not yeah, allowed it's a, to. It's a heroin addict, though. He has his own needle. He can, like, like you know, do some rudimentary, the... you know, uh, construction work. You get the needle right in there himself. Yeah, you pull the needle out of your freaking arm and just start putting it in your mouth and just suck yeah, it up all. Drink, drink morphine, kids. Mm-hmm. There you drink go. Morphine. Well, that's what we used that's to do back in the day. That's a message brought to you by me. Drink morphine? Drink morphine? Right, like Are in the 1880s? In the 1880s, that's, that's, that's all they did was drink morphine. Is that where Ovaltine got its name from? Morphine? No. What? Ovaltine? <laughs> no. You didn't drink your Ovaltine dog? No, it was called No, my Laudanum. parents loved me. They made hot chocolate from scratch. It was oh, called... did they? No, they didn't. They, they shit didn't. it into a cup and made you drink it. That sounds they, they didn't. Right. They didn't make hot chocolate from scratch. Exactly. It's called laudanum. And they started it in, like, the 1880s, mm-hmm. and it was drinkable morphine, Woo-hoo. and a lot of people were on it, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why. We should go back to those days. I wanna, I wanna no, w- I don't like morphine. I'm not, in, I'm not mm-hmm. into opiates, so fuck that also, bullshit. Also, Coca-Cola had cocaine. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the good old that days. Would make this James like, Center cocaine was, better. like, 50 cents a pop then, literally. If Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. Well, uh-huh. my my favorite, least favorite buddy, uh, fucking, not Nietzsche, but that other guy, uh, the guy who he was very important and he did lots of cocaine. I bet he did. No, who was the guy? Who was the guy? You guys know who he was. He was the guy who did oh. all of the. Rick James. Okay. No, <laughs> no, that's cocaine. It's a hell of a drug. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm thinking yeah, about. <laughs> the father of all, like... The father of Funkadelics? No, of thinking and stuff, and I can't remember his name. This Bootsy is what Collins. weed does to you. I can't... Bootsy Collins. Do you want to play a Bootsy Collins song? We can play I would on. love that. <laughs> I would love if I'll Bootsy Collins was here. I got to interview... Uh, so I got to meet fucking... Um, George Clinton, he's George been Clinton? he's been here and he sat and I got to give him two paw cookies. And what was he wearing? I don't remember. But everybody was like, "Oh, it's George Clinton, and you shouldn't give him paw cookies." I'm like, "This guy does you heroin. Should definitely like, give him paw cookies. Fine, it's he's fine. You should give him. You should roofie him. See what happens. No, never roofie anybody. That's terrible. Unless it's yeah, George Clinton. Yeah, only yourself. Unless it's George Clinton. I hear people. That's a thing people do. People roofie themselves. Ernest, who do you hang out with? Uh, you. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I knew. 
I sound like Blue from Blue's Clues. Dude, Blue Clues is my shit. It was an acid trip for Steve. Because he couldn't deal with uh, not getting accepted into college. And then he got accepted into college. And then that's when the, the show went to shit. Did he really, oh yeah, th that's when the other guy came in, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't get that. Like, when you get accepted to college, like... That's when you stop doing acid, apparently. Did you get accepted to college, Ernest? Hell no. Yeah, okay. I did. Yeah, I did. It was. Did it you was get accepted to college? It was because I did. I got accepted to community college. I did the Lori Laughlin uh, thing of you know bribing. So nobody, <laughs> so nobody in this room right now has has has, has a college degree. Hell Except no. for you. I even dropped out of com uh, you have a comedy college. college. Then, don't you? you know oh. that. I have. Not just a college. You you do. Yeah, you, you got do. masters. You have a masters. Yeah. I'm smarter yeah. than everyone. Well, it's that's not that hard. No, no, no you're dumber than everyone. You went to college. I'm not uh -huh. smarter than everybody. I the, just have the guy discipline. At oh, I'm sorry. I just can do things and stick to things and follow a rubric and do okay. things that people tell me to do. Oh no. You fucking Sam, sheep. Uh, I am, am, I a, am I a sheep, or are Pam, you all just you, not good enough? You don't have to tell us. You could just put it on your resume. Pam, Pam, it's Pam, okay. I am good enough for community college, okay? Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. Good luck. Yeah.
That's so cute. He thought we were talking about Bill Clinton's son. Yay. Um, I have horrible taste in music. Well, you Yeah, know. which made it really funnier to me because that means I was thinking Bill Clinton's son. You gave Bill Clinton's son, you know, pop brownies. Thank you, Ernest. See, see, he'll, he'll back me up when I look stupid. Yep, yep. All right, Bye. goodbye, Sam. We love you. Thank fucking God he's gone. Talk shit about Sam. Oh, Sam is the worst celebrity chef. Sam ever. looks like Sam can't cook anything. That's why he's the worst celebrity chef. He's not even famous uh -huh. too. I don't know. We were talking about celebrity chefs earlier. I'm a celebrity chef. You are a celebrity. <laughs> Does is it good to be the question? Like, has 2020 showed you guys that the like mystique that celebrity has is shit? You know, like, like literally, like kinda, yeah, yeah. No, just Remember, like um, all the celebrities, like before the pandemic happened, like we would look up to these guys as heroes, and then when the lockdown happened, you really realize, like, no, these guys are fucking like the worst people in the world. Oh, these that's exactly what happened. Are the worst? Like they're like uh, they're living in their freaking. They're they're uh, giving you like, oh yeah, you guys should like shelter in place while they're in their freaking mansions yeah yeah some of that mental breakdowns the what really made me they like, have really mental breakdowns yeah. in yeah. their fucking poolside mansion yeah. like they're like crying about they having covid yeah. they're able to have covid yeah what like, really what really made me uh, think celebrities are shit was when uh gal gadot you know exactly. put together her uh, we are the world exactly. video remember that where she got like a bunch of her celebrity tone death as hell yeah, wonder yeah. woman is fucking tone deaf yeah yeah and it was it was like you could tell all the celebrities and are you, do you know what we're talking about pam no oh uh gal gadot put like uh together a uh video of gal all these celebrities she's wonder, wonder woman. woman okay she's uh she's israeli she's uh a pretty why do you have to bring Jew. race into this no i'm just saying like <laughs> she's a pretty Jew. oh she <laughs> only people only listen to women who are pretty, pretty. and skinny <laughs> yeah. and famous not oh, any, good i get, Say I get something it. famous ladies what again, you said, not anymore because of that? lockdown oh only only people listen to you if you're skinny and pretty. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm saying under lockdown, under COVID, you, we, this is the year we realized like these pretty bitches don't know shit. Like uh, Vanessa Hutchins. Vapid uh, as a pit of starfish. Yeah, they're like they're pretty. Like they could be in their movies and they could say the right things because they're delivered the right things to say in movies, right? Mm -hmm. But when they're just by themselves, just on the show, no one, no directors like directing them what to say. They're dumb as shit. Do you oh know yeah, what the they're word fucking means? retarded. Do you know what the word vapid means? Mm -hmm. mm. It, Some people it means don't. Vapid means blank. Like <laughs> yeah, see, I was giving you an example of it. Like vape. No, it's they're vapid as a pit of starfish. Yeah. I'm so they're pretty. Look at my fake eyelashes. And then people are like, "Well, why are you so jealous, Pam? Like, why are you so jealous of their fake no, eyelashes? No. Why don't you just Ash get Botox, Pam?" Why don't you just get Botox Man, so you, don't you need Botox. can be... No, no, no. Well, I do if I want to be on any kind no, no. of video. Because I have a voice no, you for don't. radio. Pam. I have a voice for radio. You have, have a voice face. for radio. I have a face for radio. I and guess you I have a face for radio. Pam, but there's no... You. You're a beautiful you can't woman, see your okay? face on radio. No, stop it. You but are. But if I got uh -huh. some Botox, people will be like... The, she's the so reason pretty. why people get Botox is so you don't show emotion. 
You know, like you can't like show oh my God, like no, that has Botox. That yeah, yeah, he definitely does. He definitely does. Oh, I'm sucking your dick, and I really, really love it. But exactly. I can't show you right now because you can't, I have you can't no squint when you're sucking the uh, t- uh, Harvey Weinstein's dick and stuff. How about this? Women shouldn't necessarily have to suck dick. Yay! And oh my God! No, that's no, so no. Crazy. That men and also men shouldn't have to suck dick to get a role either. Hey, I'm all Shout about out equality. to Brad Bird. Oh, not Brad Bird. Who's the guy who made the X-Men movies? I don't know. Professor X? Yeah, he made... No, there's, <laughs> there's this guy... Ah, uh, shit. He's I don't like watch a, movies. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, he... I can't he, afford to watch he, movies. He was like the... He was the Harvey Weinstein equivalent of like... He was he would like uh, tr- uh, flip these like... Uh, like uh, 20-something male actors... Into like sucking his dick and going to his party and doing gay stuff so he could get roles. Shout out to you, Chang Tatum. You're really good, man. Shout out. Well, I had a comedian ask if I would suck his dick, and I said, "Oh, I have a little herpes on my lip, so I'm not <laughs> gonna do that." <laughs> and I was like, "Also, I don't like to suck dick because it subjugates me." And he yeah. was like, "What does subjugate mean?" And I was like, uh-huh. you "Dumb." Oh, yeah. no, no. Do you know I what the, thought that was a bit he was playing. But like, do you, you know, know what a subject and a predicate is, man? <laughs> well, look at well, you. No, here, look at you, here, here's smarty a question pants. For you. Here's a question for you. You said you're all about equality. If yeah. sucking dick is demeaning towards women, is, is eating pussy too. demeaning towards men? I never ask anyone uh. to eat my pussy unless I've just showered because I am not That's okay. a good move. You can't be that close to my butthole. I'm sorry. You can't be that close to my butthole unless I've showered. And if mm. I have showered and you want to get that close to my butthole, I have no problem with that. But uh-huh. I'm going to clean the... up the crash site before you get all up in there, bro. And that's just my own business uh-huh. because of my own safety issues. Yeah, yeah. You don't want herpes on your butthole because that's as bad as uh, hemorrhoids, you know? I don't know where the lighter is. I can't help you. Uh. Listeners in the radio, we have lost our lighter. If one would like to mail it one in, yeah, that'd be if, greatly if appreciated. We did not lose our lighter. We did not lose our lighter. If someone it's wants to pocket. drone bomb, it is in Mutiny my radio. Send a drone here. Just throw some fucking. Just bomb us with the lighters. Give yeah. me some skin cream. If you're gonna bring an, an Amazon drone here, let it uh-huh. deliver me some. Do you think we get listeners in prison? Because that's how they deliver drugs in prison. I have so many listeners in prison. Shout out to y'all. Shout hey, out we're to Jill um, uh-huh. Shout out to uh, shout out to inmate four one one. Shout out to San Quentin. That's where my dad is. No, I'm joking. You want to read a letter from? Seriously, open. I would it love up. to read that. I would love to I'd read love it. To. I love to. Uh, can I read it out loud on the air? Uh huh. Dude, you haven't even opened it yet. You haven't even opened it yet. All right, all right so it's by Huang Hung Lin. Yes. Okay. Uh, He's in jail. It's a jail is. letter. It says facility he should slash be in jail. bed. C-8231. Be Hashtag, uh, um, shout out to you. you I hope you tell us what you're uh, I hope you tell us what you're in jail for mm-hmm. in this letter. So he was originally put in jail because he was oh, an you, Asian person. Oh, you were with him. Oh, yeah. You he should was put an all Asian that- dude who got caught for something that wasn't even anything in the Bayview. And th- then once he was in jail... He a lot of us Asians, he- people, we break laws, but you guys don't really realize that we're breaking the law. Like... He wasn't breaking the law. He got. It's handwritten. I know. Of He's that's handwritten. Of course, that's how it is. They don't have computers. I, I don't mean, know. I've never been to jail. You should. Fuck you, you man. You need to go to jail, dog. <laughs> if I go to jail, I'm not writing to you. I'm writing to Mutiny Radio. Yeah. You should. Yeah. 
I support that. He originally started writing to Mutiny Radio because he just wrote us a random letter out of nowhere. Uh-huh. And then we became kind of pen pals and we uh-huh. were talking and he was on a bunch of different shows. And I haven't opened this letter and it's like a our, letter. Our, what, our what, convict sexy pam. Look at the look at the look at the post stamp. You can I tell know. when it's from. I can see the I can see post dated what what was the year it was post dated? I haven't opened it. Two thousand I'm a millennial. I don't know how to read mail. You where, where is it? Look at the stamp. Let me read it. Give it to Ernest. He can read. He's millennial a millennial shit. too. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's his name. But all right. Well, once you tell that, I'm gonna read it out. Oh, it says right here, uh, 12317. This guy this is, is 17. This is from 17. You're a horrible pen pal. 2017. Oh, so he he probably so got executed so already. No, no, no. Why the might not still be alive? But we were pen pals. He probably got stabbed by the by the woodpeckers. You know what I'm talking about. It was that. Um, Jonathan got angry. He was like, you have a boyfriend who's in jail. And I was like, no, he's not my boyfriend. Who doesn't have a boyfriend he in jail? He was like, you've got a boyfriend in jail. And I'm like, no, I don't. Not anymore. And so I stopped opening his letters. So I haven't opened this letter, so read this letter. His pen- penmanship, impeccable. I feel like yeah. since I'm a- more right. Asian than you, I should read it. No, I'll read it. I want to read it. Right, right. But you have to do it in a off. very racist accent. I'm not going to do it in a racist accent. Do it in a racist accent. No. No, 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 it Filipino doesn't work. Right. This, is, this, is, this is why I can't Both do it. Both of you can guys, do guys, it in a Filipino This is accent. why I can't do it in an uh, Asian racist accent. This is Wait, the first line. This is the first it's line. It's disrespectful if you read it in a racist white guy accent. No, I'm not going to do it in a racist it's, it's not a racist You're white guy accent. Filipino. It's my accent. Exactly. Not everything I say sounds fucking racist. That's why. You know what? With both of you, we have 225% Asian here, right? Now exactly. because we have Filipino in the house uh-huh. right now. Lumpia is king. Uh-huh. Read the thing. Shout out to COVID. Oh, that was a rhyme. All right, all right. Read out to and this is why I can't do the Asian accent right before it goes. What up, stranger danger, pammy whammy? What like, you can't say that with an Asian mm. accent. That's like Jackie Chang uh-huh. in Rush Hour Two when he says the N word constantly. That's like what that's up? so out of date, uh-huh. out of touch. Danger. All right, run in the house. Guess what, my friend? <laughs> the, he he literally wrote the T H A. The appeal has been granted. The gang enhancement Woo! is v- vacated along with the Woo! sentence. The judge also said there is, no evidence, boys. there is no evidence of attempted murder. Whoa, what the fuck? There we go. Hmm, There's no great. evidence because I wiped the knife off. Sounds great, but I'm awaiting the amended abstract of judgment. I'll find you what's up day 2717. And then there's a new uh, uh, attachment right here. I'm going to be honest. Knowing you has really opened my eyes to new possibilities, and you stopped uh-huh. fucking writing him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny the how I finally found a chick that can let my inner comedian come out. Oh, there was, you go. There you jail, go. He was your jail boyfriend. No, no, no. Asians are the most closeted comedians in the world. Like I Asians bet, are the most closeted people. In the I world. bet Kim Jong Un. He's a, he would have been killer on a mic if they if they would have let him. You know. I mean, he's fat and looks awkward. He exactly. Probably, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Let, let, me, let me. Oh, this is hilarious. Goes, it's funny how I finally found a chick that can let my inner comedian come out. Her name is Crystal Jones. She's not. He's not even talking about you, Pam. Good. Chris, she's Crystal a mutt. Jones? She's a mutt. Hawaiian, Mexican, and Japanese. I tell her about you and the huge part of success of success su- succession you're played in the legal battle. You helped him with his legal troubles. Sounds good. Fuck yeah. Nice. As well as the aspirations I have because of Mutiny Radio. <laughs> You're so fucking awesome, Pam. Really. I was sifting through a pile of envelopes while I was organizing my belongings after a cell search they've done due to a few riots and stabbings. Damn. And I come across an empty envelope addressed to you. Still good to go. So I decided to send some uh, gratuitous words your way to update you. You're my circle even of uh, – you're my circle even the f- – circle? Yeah. 
even if I'm not yours. Lol, be easy. I love it. It's so beautiful and handwritten. Mm-hmm. And then no. right after that, he goes, he ends with lol and like be easy after a text. But there's Let more me. on the back. Yeah. Okay. I'm all about getting home and projecting major networks to give back to the community. This may start with a series of short rants that will go viral, mm. but at this point, the material is viral emanating off as my much as COVID. This point, the material is emanating off my skin, Captain Planet. I have no time to live someone else's life. I'll hit every venue till I get a gig. Some agent will snatch me up. Ah. I'm going to sign up for the Laugh Factory segments. I definitely have stupid, energetic, zero-fuck material. Okay. I'm scared of myself sometimes, but if you, if you could only see me dance to scatter pointless words, you would die laughing. We're going to make this work and get famous. Ah. May the creative juices flow inside of you in, inside and out and the force you to enjoy your inner life in the most pleasant, unawkward, Ronnie kind of way. And uh, he, he like changed his name to um, While Kim. having a Ronnie kind of day. Love in all kinds of ways. Ron Ron. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Can he you be my prison boyfriend? He ended up becoming the Asian guy in The Hangover. Who would have thought of it? Who <laughs> would have thought it? Yeah, who would have thought it? <laughs> no, I don't want to make fun of this letter. No, really I, got, I got it. I would make fun of it. I got it. I let you make fun of this. I got in trouble with my boyfriend because mm. he was like, uh-huh. you have a boyfriend in prison. And I was like, I well, don't have a boyfriend in prison. They, let's like, be honest. Yes, you do. Let's be honest, fam. So that's why I stopped opening the letters because are, I literally... Are, are guys in prison more attractive? Let's be honest. Um, Only because they're so distant. Yeah. Only because you can't see their can face. Ever, and... It's it's like uh, they show you your their, uh, their vulnerable side. romance is dead yeah. and, uh, you know... Coldplay really put the, really put the nail. Fuck in you, the Coldplay. Coffin, right? Chris Marsden. Coldplay, Marzen, Coldplay put the sure nail in the me. coffin. They're like nobody can be more romantic yeah, than me, and it's like oh gross. But guys in jail can kind of do yeah. it because there's this weird thing. But uh-huh. that's why I had to stop with my boyfriend in jail because my uh-huh. boyfriend in real life was like, you're into this guy who's in jail that you've uh-huh. never met. And I was like, oh, shit, he's in Folsom Prison, and that's kind of Folsom, shout out to Johnny Cash. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, it got weird there for a second. You know what my dream is, Pam? Mm. I want to do a comedy special in Alcatraz. Ooh, that's nice. That's like live from Alcatraz, He's like the indigenous yeah, yeah. people. Yeah, yeah just like have a show, up. sell a show there, and, and then it'll be live in Alcatraz. Up, you know, it opens up with like a. Alcatraz is the most social distant place you could do it. You know, like you're on an island. Yeah, no, I want you to be like, I want there to be a dress code where, like, when you when you pay for a ticket to go to the show. All right. Uh-huh. When the tick comes in the mail, it also comes with like yeah. your size of prison. You know, like inmate. You yeah. Know, uh, uh, attire like you have the striped uh, fucking. Yeah, you, um, it's like you, you know, committed like a, a crime. And you have to wear that. You're a medium. You're thing. a small. I'm, I'm definitely you think I'm a small. medium? I'm oh. definitely a small. You're a medium. I'm a medium. medium. You're a medium. 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 Obviously, <laughs> Ernest Evangelista is a small. Hell you're yeah. a medium. I'm an extra small. You're yeah, even I dressed bet. for prison right now with your striped you uh, sweater. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I love prison. I prison have a is fetish the best. for guys who've been in jail. And that's, that's what I'm saying. You just, like, I love if you that's haven't what been I'm to saying. jail, Shout out all you. you, all you inmates in jail. Pam is fingering, is uh, playing herself to uh, your what tunes. What I'm saying is that I like, mm-hmm. I have a fetish 
for a couple different things, and one of them is committing crimes. It is incarcerated men. I'm super into the concept of like, oh, you're in jail because you did something wrong. Like, yeah. you're a bad, bad boy. I'm uh-huh. into that shit. I'm like, ooh, bad boy. He's yeah. a but bad I mean, boy. But give him some punishment, and you'll actually yeah. like. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Uh-huh. Oh, are you? Are you? I was about to drink this handstand. Well, I, I, I like, I like helping boys that need help. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've, I've been hanging out with junior high boys since I was in junior high. Like, come wow. on, now. like, come on. I mean, the. Do you like junior high boys oh, in prison? Yeah, you know. So let me tell you. You know about who the last the, night. You know, wait, real quick, real quick, real quick. You know who gets the most pussy in, like, back in the Tumblr days who girls would flock over? The Boston Bomber. Like, you remember he was on, like, uh, he was on Time Magazine, and then he had, like, flowy hair and <laughs> That's stuff? That's so funny. I'm just thinking Boston Bomber had a Tumblr, and the FBI No, no, these bitches him. love, like, these freaking, uh, yeah, middle school girls love the Boston Bomber. And cause, just because he looked like a Jonas brother, you know? But he was like, he was like a fucking, th- again, like these young school shooters. I'm just picturing Boston Bomber with Mark Wahlberg's accent, you uh-huh. know? Just like, you fucking queer. He was in that like, movie. You fucking queer. He was in that Imagine movie, dude. Imagine all you fucking Imagine the Jonas Have you, have you like watched that. that movie about the Boston bombing with Mark Wahlberg as a star? He's like a fucking... I watched it. I, I it was called it Liberty Netflix, Day or something. It was called like Liberty Day. I, don't, or I, I thought that I thought that was for the uh, Boston Marathon. That wasn't the Boston. That was the, that was it. That was Boston Barbering was the Boston Marathon, bro. And some people what am say I th- I'm that about, it I'm was a about fake. The other marathon. You that, know, uh, there's no other. <laughs> there was a marathon bombing. Yeah, that was the Boston one. I'm saying it was by this guy, his brother, and his but the and Boston the younger bomber brother. evaded capture for a very long time, didn't he? A week, cause he wasn't week. real, because mm. he was oh he wasn't real. You wanna by the okay. government? Okay, okay. I the whole thing was fake. I I messaged that motherfucker. Friends? No, I'm, I'm I'm joking. Pam, Pam, we're describing your dream man, yeah. and you're saying he's not real. The, that is hilarious. You that's why you yeah. hang out with middle the, schoolers. These guys, you have the mentality I'm, I'm telling of a you, middle Pam, schooler. These motherfuckers <laughs> are real. Not real. I've taught uh. middle school. It's These all about are you're real, gonna buddy. die of dysentery. All right, it's all about Oregon Trail. Jesus, okay? do, stop Oregon hanging out middle schoolers if that's what you're okay, teaching them. Okay, we didn't play Oregon Trail. We played Minesweeper. I played and, Oregon uh, Trail and that, that uh, and the the pinball game. You remember the all pinball I wanted game? to do was play the hunting yeah, games, which dysentery. is ironic because it's my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, dysentery. Hunter is. Speaking like about Oregon, mushrooms are legal in Oregon. Ooh, I'm Don't sorry, Pam. It's fine. There's just the what is that? headphones. Is that? Then it was just it. the headphones. No, it's not. It's None not. of us are listening to headphones, so it doesn't matter that the headphones just fell down. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter. Thing. Oh, it's a headphone volume thing. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Let's play this game then. Like, we all... Who do you think you could beat up as a, a mass shooter? Who do you Who think could you could I beat up as yeah. a mass shooter? Yeah. I, I, I could tell you. Me I've as been, a mass I've shooter been, or like uh, I'm, I just, uh, any uh, mass shooter you I could compare, beat up? Compare like which one do you think you could take? I could beat up all of them if they didn't have a gun. Oh, Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah, most smash shooters okay. are like socially okay. awkward people who are like very fra- like fragile. What about the Vegas shooter? The Vegas shooter? Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, he, well, he's an old man. He's an old man. Yeah, he so was the him. most, he's the enigma of the shooters because he didn't have an internet. That's why we have no idea about what he was about, right? Yeah, I still don't know what he was about. Like, it was a random act of violence in my mind. I never No, liked, you yeah. know what it was? Um, I mean, if you could look at this, this was a, this is documented knowledge. He was a arms dealer. Like, his brother said, so like, he. So it was an ad? 
for his weapon? I I think it was a a, a hit gone. It was a, a, dr- a gun deal gone wrong. So he shot random people in like oh crap. Well, you can't make sense of you know mass shooters. You know you can't go and double. Well, heads. again, that he he was the one that made no sense exactly. Like he had enough money. He didn't need to do it for money. He didn't like he was a millionaire. He didn't really like had a media. He didn't have a presence on like I'm gonna do this because I hate freaking liberals. All right, all or, right. let's think about this. Mm-hmm. When all those mass shooter things were happening, and I was in high school, I was like, oh, shout I would, out to Combine. I would get I would get out there in front of the mass shooter because I wanna sacrifice myself for the entire high school. Fuck that. And Fuck no, my high that, school. Fuck my high school. I was I thinking. Had I would, I would, like, I I would microwave popcorn and watch it. Watch. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. You I was a popcorn? Christian. No, no, I'm no, like, Ernest, Ernest, yeah. someone sacrificed You'd, you'd microwave popcorn. Yeah. And like people would hear the popcorn popping yeah. if there's more mass shooters exactly. in the building. I was <laughs> exactly. Like, beep. Like, oh my god, he's in this building. No, I just I just popped some some Oldenburger. Uh, I want to I wanna play a song because I want to dance to it. And then we're going to sing. Sing towards it. I'm not gonna sing, but I'm gonna dance a little bit, and Mm -hmm. we're gonna get up on this. Ernest uh, at his new job, he's got tipped a bunch of singles. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw some ones at you, pants. Pants, baby. Mm -hmm. You're not even wearing pants, baby. Exactly. That's why. That's why you just throw some ones, baby. Wearing clothes in the. That's why you just throw some ones, baby. Uh, the next song we're gonna play uh is by one of my favorite people in the whole world. Lana Del Rey. No, it's Billy Joel, motherfucker. (laughs) Billy fucking Joel. You know who should, like, lower it really quick first? Uh, Don't play it yet. No, no, real real quick, real quick, real quick. I just want to say, I believe somebody should drop an album with, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper? Just him as monotone as fuck. That's hilarious. I don't know. Okay. Should be playing, but it's not. But it should be. Anderson Cooper is not monotone. I think he is. Like he should do a, he should do a duet with Rachel Maddow. They should do a porno with Rachel Maddow. Anderson Cooper's gay. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, he's an openly gay. No, man. no, he is definitely open. I mean, not openly gay, but uh, Wait, he's openly gay, but he's out of the closet. That's what
back. We missed you guys oh. so much. I mi- I missed every single one of you so much. I during that entire song, I was Hobby thinking about all my audience members, and uh, I'm still thinking about you guys. I hope you're okay. Exactly what I need uh, from you. Am I, am I back? I, oh, oh, you're back. Yeah, you're in. Uh, I hope you don't get COVID. Oh, fun news. Ernest was talking to me on the way over yeah, here. Australia uh, uh, yeah, Australia stopped uh, their COVID vaccine push. <laughs> you know why? Because they got AIDS from oh. the vaccine. No, 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 they didn't get AIDS. They uh, got the, AIDS because of the vaccine. There were false positive tests. Okay, that sounds like they had AIDS and they couldn't, like, they had to explain that, like, oh, it was no, a Ernest, false positive. No, Ernest, Ernest, I'm the one that went, read one article on it. Yeah, And it was exactly. the first article that popped up, so I'm the expert in today's standards. And I'm the expert in deciphering what the government says and what they really mean. And what they really mean is they probably, they had a vaccine, a bunch of motherfuckers, who had COVID and got like you know tried to create a vaccine, but they didn't disclose that they had HIV also. So also that included with the uh, vo- uh, the COVID. HIV will kill you uh, slower than COVID. So you know actually, uh, it's still I, an improvement. I'm still saying like they it's probably. Still an it, it, you know what's better? Virtual insanity. What, what's that? Is that a video game? It's a song. It's a song. Oh. We're playing, playing another song. song. Oh. We're playing another yeah. song. Yeah, I'm gonna play a virtual insanity song. Yeah. Okay. Who is that? See, band? this is why healthcare in America is not going right. Virtual. We're talking about AIDS, a serious subject, and Pam goes, "You know what's better than this? You know the yeah. people want a song." That's.
We're back. We're back. Fuck yeah. Yo, weirdos. Hey. Hey, Pam. Hi. What's up? Um, what are we doing? Have Virtual you heard about this COVID thing? Is it happened? Virtual Insanity was a perfect song to uh to surmise like 2020 because like all uh. we can do is like talking to people virtually and we're going slowly insane from it. Yeah, <laughs> Zoom. Shout out to you, Zoom. You son of a bitch. That's that. Mark it down, people. Virtual Insanity, the song of 2020. Uh, you could tell your uh, therapist about all the trauma that happened in 2020 that was created. Yeah, but you have to do it virtually. Oh, my God. A therapy session yeah, over no, text. That is That's what happens. That is what's going to happen. A therapy session over text is hilarious. Like, imagine if your therapist left you unread, you know? Uh, I mean, my therapist has left me unread uh, many a times. Do, are, are you having trouble with the concept of people loving you? Have I, uh, what, what, what yeah, no, concept? accepting people's love. I never been comfortable with that. Dude, I, I'm going to talk about you really quick. Don't you really do have, it. You, no, no, you really have, like, um, I, I'm the person that always says I love you to people, all right? Uh-huh. And uh, I'm, a huggy, I'm a hugging person. I rather. Okay? And Ernest, like, you know, I always try to hug him after, like, a night of us hanging out. And he does not like hugs. No, nope. he does hugger. not feel I don't like, like you, know, you when saying he, uh, you love he, me. He's like, oh, yeah, I know you don't like it, but nope. I'm still going to fucking say it. Yeah. You know, because I love you. I really do. I know like, that's my flaw. Aww. I know that's my flaw, but it's just because, like, I see it as a sign of weakness. <laughs> Loving? Yeah. I sign it of, of just, like, oh. It's, 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 and here's why I feel like you're misconstruing it. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of vulnerability. Yeah. And vulnerability weakness. is not necessarily weakness. That's your weakness. Okay, so here's a song that talks about vulnerability. Uh, Okay. It's going to be I, great. 1989. 1989. That was a good year. That was the year of the earthquake. Dude, you weren't even alive then. You I can't know. say it's a good year. It was. It's a great song. You just can't 
That's hilarious. No, you're no. just like screaming our your like national food at us, food, and then yo. mispronouncing your other food. That is a racist white person uh, thing I'm to do. I'm saying I enjoy all Filipino foods, uh-huh. and all I'm super happy about all of them. Oh yeah. The secret oh, yeah. to Filipino food is you have to be drunk. Yeah. To vinegar. <laughs> vinegar <laughs> too. A vinegar. Because that's what we. It's called pasalubang. Like our food, like the best food, uh, like sisig, mm-hmm. lumpia, it's Ooh. all food you eat. I got, I got a, shit, uh, you know I got a, I don't know if you know this deli, it's right near my place. Uh, it's called Toast. Toast. And they make uh, seasick fries. Yeah. Uh, have you been there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have? You've been there? No, I know Toast. Right? Yeah, have you ever tried I it? I, 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 uh.
back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ernest was just asking me, like, ooh, were you a 90s or an 80s? So in 1988, uh-huh. I was uh, in eighth grade, uh-huh. and I listened to a lot of New Order and a lot of In Excess. Uh-huh. And we don't know that. They're not on Spotify. Well, In Excess was great, and he's dead now, and it's cool. R.I.P. Was it because he was living in excess? Yeah, it sounds like like he was. Well, no, it was because, you know, he was like, um, you know, Michael Hutchins is like. um, That was the guy from Incest? Incest. Incest? What the fuck type of Freudian slip is that? No, we need to unpack that shit really quick. But Michael Hutchins was like the um, the Marilyn Monroe of shoegazer music, of like MIDI music. It was like, uh-huh. I'm so pretty, but I don't know what I'm doing. It's the same thing with Joy Division. Like, yeah. what happened to Joy Division? What happened to... What happened to the okay. Smiths? Why are we not too to difficult to why have are we not so, so much pretty feeling? I gotta, I gotta you can't myself. feel that hard. And uh, live forever. You just can't do it. Wh- why could. are we not addressing the fact that Ernest accidentally said incest live on no, air? No, no, in excess. I in could say incest because uh, yeah. no, no. he had a white-sounding last name. That's why. Dude, like that. Yeah, as soon as you said that, like I, I'm Hutchins. on your side now. Yeah, I'm on your side. Thank you. So who Thank are the you. dead people that I'm very sad about? Michael exactly. Hutchins and uh, Alan Rickman. Alan no, no, Rickman, no, 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 no. I'm excited. I'm sad. House? About, uh, you just Alan said exc- Pam, Pam, sad. Pam, where were you when Kurt Cobain died? Uh, Tell me about it. Good question. Where were you? I didn't really <laughs> you give didn't care too of. many fucks <laughs> about him because <laughs> I was tying too many, um, uh-huh. uh, where they, the... I you didn't give a fuck about Nirvana. Just well, say no, it. Just I say was, it. You don't care about I Nirvana. Was, they were I trash. I didn't like his fashion. The fashion because he oh was my God. on so the, heroin. Your whole, point, your whole point is because he, he didn't was dress just trying pretty. To, he was like, "Fuck it, I don't care if he does." He was trying to and time around our. He waist. was trying to find shirts no, to fit because he was skinny. Dude, he that's a great that's a great look with a shotgun in your mouth. What are you talking about? He couldn't find <laughs> pants to fit because he was just skinny off the heroin, Pam. That's why his fashion was shit. Well, his fashion was beautiful. And Honestly, that's ironic because, well, like, that's, that's around that's the age when heroin chic yeah, was it like was a fashion heroin statement. Chic you know? in the 90s, yeah. you know? Well, no one listens to you unless you're skinny and pretty. And that poor girl, Kate Moss, dear Lord. And I, I don't find her attractive. Who's Kate Moss? I don't find her point. attractive at all. Who's Kate Moss? She's a super model. Model. Supermodel. 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 I can't believe you don't know who that is. Yeah. She was so... I don't find her pretty. I've always been an old man at heart. Like, I don't know who a lot of people are, and I like it that way. Okay. What, Which what? Is why old I man. love Billy Joel, because Old he... man and heart. What do you mean by that? Billy you mean you are you listen to, like, what? No, it's not what I listen to. It's just, like, my mentality over everything, you know? You're like, a 1950s dude. You listen to Buddy Holiday. What are you saying? No, it's not what I listen to. It's just, like, how, like, my interaction with them. I don't care about, like, a lot of celebrities. I don't care about, like, you know, uh... A lot of celebrity news. Nineteen like again. I'm saying like, 1950s. Like, like you don't care about. Uh, uh, yeah, you don't dude, care about. My entire family's a construction. I was raised at construction sites. It's like that whole like you know, just keep to yourself. You uh-huh. don't care about that stuff. It's, it's 
old man status. You know, like my knees yeah. are hurting all the fucking time. Okay. You know, you better stop blo- stop blowing freaking freaking people, dude. You don't dude, make your knees hurt, bro. Dude, I'm not blowing people. I'm just I just like being on my knees. Okay. No, I don't. It's the worst. That sounds like. I'm praying to God, okay? I'm oh, blowing Jesus. It's I'm blowing Jesus. Je- Hunter okay? is a is a I'm praying man. I'm blowing Jesus. Uh-huh. All right. Have you seen him at a church? Have you ever been to church, Ernest? Like he has a fucking six pack. Yeah, it's come gutters. I get yeah. it. Like, dude, <laughs> how many Catholics and Christians do you think are into BDSM because they've always looked up at Jesus tied up uh-huh. on that wooden board? That's what I'm saying. Shout out.